Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So have you ever been with a group of people and you had to do some of those like super annoying team building events? Like maybe you had to do that thing where like everybody gets up on this big log and like you have to try to get everybody like around. So you have to like have people like climb on top of you and get over. And the, you know, the big idea here is working together as a team. Or perhaps you ever did that one thing that is like you grab hands and then you're all twisted up and you've got this big pile of people and they have to try to like like unwrangle each other without letting go of hands. And so people are like flipping upside down and going sideways and all this craziness. You know, the big idea is, is to work together as a team to build communication for, for a group of people who may not know each other to be able to take a step forward in their relationships and learn to trust each other. Now, when I was a youth pastor, we would do these type of things all the time, and we would go on mission trips, and part of what I wanted to do is get these teens to be able to have relationships with each other, start to learn to communicate and all the things I mentioned before, which can be difficult because they're teens coming from all different schools and all different walks of life. So we would do different things in our mission trip training, and one of the things that we would do are trust falls. Now, if you've never seen a trust fall before, maybe you have, but you know the big idea behind this is someone gets up on a table or a chair and someone is behind them who's going to catch them. So that person folds their arms across their chest, they close their eyes, and they trust that the people behind them are going to catch them. Sometimes there's like a group of people, so everybody intertwines hands and arms and makes sure that there's a, a good solid basket there to catch them at the end. Well, as you can probably imagine, there's like a hundred things that can go wrong in a trust fall exercise. Now, I'm glad to say that that never happened to us in our youth group. I never had any of those issues. Uh, no one ever fell into the head, though. I'm going to say there's a few times things got a little spicy and got close, but we never had that happen to us. But the big idea here is trust. Like, trust is a really, really complicated thing. When we think about trust, are we really willing to put ourselves into a place of vulnerability? Are we going to put ourselves basically in the hands of someone else? Are we willing to put ourselves out there and trust somebody else? What makes it so complicated is that we've all trusted somebody in our lives. We've all gone through the practice of trusting someone in different ways. And just like that video, we've fallen. And, and we've been hurt and we've been broken and we, people that we trusted, people that we cared about, all these things, something happened along the way and our trust was broken. And it seems the more that we go through life, the older we get, we get more and more people can let us down. Like, do you remember school days? Let's go back to those of you who haven't been in school for a while. Maybe some of you right now are in this school phase. Do you remember that time when that kid went to sit down? Like it could be at library or lunch, and one of their friends pulled the chair out from them. And everybody sees it, right? So, and we're just all laughing. Like we're laughing hysterically. And you look at the kid on the floor who is just 
embarrassed beyond belief. They're humiliated and their friends at the table are all laughing. Ah! And, and they respond in different ways. Some of the kids who fall start crying. Some get angry and start punching. But all we know is this, is that this child in front of everybody just was humiliated. And they were humiliated by someone that they trusted. Someone that, probably a friend, an acquaintance, at least a classmate. We learn at an early age that trust is hard. It's really hard when trust is broken. When we had put our faith into somebody or something, and when trust is removed, fear now enters its place. When trust is taken out of the picture, the answer now becomes fear. We find it hard to trust others. We find it hard to even sit down in a chair for weeks or months. We look and make sure and hold on to the chair before we sit down because we're afraid. We're afraid of it happening again. We're afraid of being broken again in front of a group of people. We become so afraid. Trust is such a complicated thing. It can lock us down and it can keep us captive. Trust, if we don't have it in the right place, fear when it's in there, it can destroy us because it takes the place of our trust. So here's the big question. I want to ask you today, can you trust God? I mean, can we honestly say we trust God? Now, you probably had a gut reaction with this question, just as I did as I wrote it. My first response is, oh, absolutely, yeah, 100%, totally trust him. I'm all in God, don't worry about it, I got this. You never let me down. And then I start to think a little bit. And so I want to ask this question, if you truthfully trust him, are you afraid of change? Because if you're afraid of change, then you don't really trust what God's doing. Because change might be a fall. Change might be something you don't want. Or perhaps that you are saying you trust God, but you're so afraid of the future. You don't know what the future is going to bring, and so you live fearfully about what tomorrow brings. Even though over and over again we see in the scriptures, God tells us to not be afraid, to trust, and to believe, maybe you are. So, I want to also go to the other side because some of you right now are in a situation where you're like, you know, honestly, I don't trust God. Like, I don't trust him. I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Jay. It's great. I don't trust him. I've trusted in God before. He's let me down so many times. But I also want to pause for you in a second and ask this question. Do you even really know him? Because to trust in somebody, you got to know somebody, right? And so do you even know his promises? Do you know how God operates and how he works? And perhaps you're confused because you're mistaking what you want in life and not getting perhaps the choices you would want as God not being trustworthy. Like you ask the question, how could God let these things happen to us? Terrible things happen. And we start to paint this picture of a God who doesn't really exist. So I question you and just want to put this out here for today to explore. Do you really know his promises? Do you really know him? And that's where we're going to begin our journey today. It doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey right now. If this is your first time tuning into church or you've been sitting in a pew your whole life, we're going to start this journey of looking at the story of Abraham. Abraham, we see in the book of Genesis, and God has this amazing plan for Abraham. Abraham begins the lineage of the Hebrew people, and from Abraham now, the entire nation of Israel is going to come. And this is all because of a promise 
that God had for him. And ultimately, it brings us here today. Like We are a part of what this promise was that God made to Abraham. So God, this is what God does. He asked Abraham, I want you to move. I want you to get up. I want you to take your family. I want you to go somewhere else. Just leave the land of your family. Leave your friends. Leave everything you have. Get up and move to a new place. It says it in Genesis 12, 1 through 5. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who you bless, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set up from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So Abraham at this time, his name is Abram. So it's the same guy, not to get too confusing. But Abraham, Abram is going to be Abraham a little bit further along in our story. So he takes this story and says, I want you to move from the land of Ur, this land of prosperity. I want you to move somewhere else. So Ur was a city in the region of Summer or Mesopotamia, so basically modern-day Iraq. So here we have this land that is just thriving. It's an economical, cultural centerpiece of the region. Right here you have so many things happening because they're in their position to the Persian Gulf. They have trade routes that are coming from multiple countries, and they found in history, even India, that this beautiful trade route thing going on. They have all this money coming in. They've got people. They have culture. They are a hot spot in the land. So Ur is also important because it blends right at a place where the rivers are coming together of the Tigris and Euphrates. So now you've got trading that's coming down the river, heading towards the Gulf. You've got the Gulf people coming in. This was a hot spot. It was a place to be. So long story short, this was a luxurious, comfortable, awesome, wonderful place to live. And God said, I want you to move. Now, how would you respond? I want you to leave the luxurious life that you have in the United States of America. I want you to go somewhere else that you never heard of that does not have all the amenities that you have. I want you to pick up from this thriving, wonderful metropolis, New York City, London, something like that. I want you to go to some rural place that you know nobody and nobody's really kind of even around. Take your whole family and just trust me. And so Abram responds with okay. He does it. Now, that's not my gut response. That's not my gut reaction. My gut response is like, whoa, whoa. Like, let's just pump the brakes here for a second. Like, are you sure? Like, I'm going to start asking a whole lot of questions. Like, how does this affect my 401k? And like, what about like my kids getting into college? And how is this going to affect my future? And do they have a job there that I like? And I've got all sorts of questions I would start pounding out to God and start to say, because I am going to be gripped by fear. Because that when trust is not there, fear takes its place. So my response, and even though I'd say, yes, God, I trust you, which guys, I do. I really, really do. But inside of me is this fear that's breaking trust. And I know so many of you can relate to me on that. You can relate to that idea, that fear of what you don't, the unknown, change, what's coming, 
breaks trust when God's calling us to something. But this is what's cool about this whole thing. He does it. And it's not that he's giving him a better place. He's not taking him to Ur 2.0. He's not taking him to a place of more abundance and more things. He's taking him to some place that potentially might not be what he likes, might not be what he wants. There's not more resources and not more luxury. There's not more. It's less. And so Abram does it. So when we start to process a little bit, start to think through, why would he do it? It was a promise. God promised Abram, Abram, I want you to go. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Because of you, there will be blessings. Because of you, wonderful things. I'm going to make you greater than you can ever, ever imagine, Abram. But you got to go. You can't stay here. I'm going to take you to a new land that's going to be a land for new people. Why did God do it? We don't know. Because he wanted to. And that was a story that we now see down the line. Oh, that's the nation of Israel. Oh, that's the land that they get. Oh, we start to see the whole story of God's people here intertwining when God now is working with a group of people to set up the coming of Jesus Christ. God was on the move, and God had a whole plan, and Abram knew none of it. He simply said, okay, I'll go. But I want to say something that might rub you a little bit. and, I, and I, That's not my intention in a bad way. Hopefully it's an irritant in a good way. I believe our comfort and our consumerism is hampering our spiritual lives. I, I want to say that again. I believe that our consumerism and our comfort is, in, is detrimentally hurting our spiritual lives. I mean, we honestly are looking more for comfort than we are for God. And when you're looking for comfort and you're not looking for what God's going to do, whenever there's something that takes you to that uncomfortable place, asks you to do something you don't want to do, all these sorts of things, we say, no. Like, what if God called you to give it all up, man? Like, everything. Like, I remember sitting there as a kid, and they would bring missionaries in. And this, my response was that missionaries would come in into our church and they would tell some stories about, you know, that, you know, oh, we live out in, in, the, in the jungle and we don't see anybody and I had to learn a language and I wear a skirt, grass skirt. And like, like I'm a kid, right? So I'm just kind of computing all this. And I'm saying, dear Lord, please never let that be me. Like all I could think of, it was how absolutely terrible it would be for me to give up my parents to give up, you know, hamburgers and all these things I've grown to know and love. But I was a child. I think the hard thing that I'm saying here is that our spiritual lives, if we're still thinking that way, we're still spiritual children. Because God doesn't call us to consumerism and to comfort. He calls us to obedience. He calls us to different things. Like, think about all the things that we have, everything we have in the American lifestyles. Like, we have a lot, friends. Abram had that. That was their version, right? And they said, give it all up. Bring your family. Bring what you got. You can take what you have. And I want you to move to this new land. That's kind of, it's the middle of nowhere. I want you to move there. What if God called you to give up your luxuries? Would you do it? Would you give up your vacations, your cars? Would you give up your home? Would you give up everything if God 
called you. Now, I'm not saying God's calling you to jump into a boat, go to the jungle, wear the grass skirt. I'm not, that, I'm not implying that. But I, knew, I do know that God's called us in different ways at different times. God calls us locally to be uncomfortably uncomfortable. He calls us globally to be uncomfortable. He calls us to be uncomfortable in some of our relationships. We have to work out the hard things instead of doing the easy, you know, starting drama and gossiping. We have to do hard things and work out relationships that way. God calls us to hard things. But let me add one more layer since I'm already here. Is it hard for you to give tithes and offerings to the church? Like when you sit down and you start to look at things, you sit down and say, okay, I'm going to take a look at what we got. Do you find it hard to give into the ministry? Do you find it hard? Because think about it from that side. Jesus talks more about money than any other topic in the scriptures. And in the scriptures, we see tithes and offerings at 10%, the first fruits of what we have. And we're supposed to be giving that to the ministry and the work of God. That's how God set up this system. But do you struggle and sit down and say, man, I... Man, I'd have to give up too much to go to that place. I'd have to give up things that I want. I'd have to give up some of my luxuries. I'd have to give up that car. I'd have to give things up. See how these two are tied together? If we're not willing to be uncomfortable in the little things, how can we be uncomfortable in the big things? If we're not willing to be uncomfortable and say, you know what, we're going to sacrifice. We as a family are going to do hard things. We're going to work hard. We're going to cut some of this extra fat that we have in our family. And what we're going to do is we're going to be radically generous into the work of God into the kingdom. Not only here locally, but we want to be generous throughout the world because we want our family to be a part of that. That's the easy thing. The hard thing would be, I want you to get up, I'm take you and your family and move to the jungle. That's astronomically harder. So if we can't be uncomfortable in the small things, how can God call us to the big things. And friends, when God calls you to big things, big things happen. But our culture is driven by comfort. I mean, we live in the American comfort culture, but God is not a God of comfort. When you read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, you don't see a whole lot of comfort in there. When I say comfort, I'm not saying that God isn't, that God's not with us and comforting us through pain. That's not the comfort. I mean, I know you know that, but I want to be clear. When I'm talking about this, it's luxury, easy street, all for me, my life, my family, I do me. Individualistic thinking as opposed to thinking of the people. When we look at Genesis to Revelation, that we see a God is not a God comfort. He calls his people to uncomfortable places time and time again. He asks us to do hard things, but every single time it's good. Every time. Every time it's good. So the question is, can you trust him? Can you trust him? Like, can you trust God when he asks things of you? Can you trust God right now if he's prompting something in your heart like, man, I'm just thinking, and, God, and something's stirring in you right now as you're listening to this message. Do you trust him? Do you trust him that everything will be okay? Now, let's be clear. It might not be what you like. might not be what you want. might not make you, quote unquote, happy. It's going to be, do you trust him it's good? Do you trust him that's for the kingdom? Do you trust him in the end? You know, one of 
our stories in church planting is this. Some of you know our story. Um, some of you don't. You know, I was approached about church planting, and my immediate response was absolutely not. There's not any way I'm planting a church. There's no way. I have gone through too much. I have been in churches. I've been in big churches. You know, I, I'm a big church ministry guy. You know, what if I'm going to do anything, I need an upgrade. Because we all love upgrades, right? Upgrading your job, upgrade your new phone. Like, I want to move up, right? So I'm like, no way. Like, if I'm going to do this, like, I need to upgrade. So I get to that that church that has X amount of thousand people at it. Maybe they've got a TV station. and Maybe I could have this or that, blah, 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 and all this stuff. So they say, do you want to go back to the beginning and start a church? My response was absolutely not. I'm not going to take that salary cut. I'm not going to lose everything. I've worked too hard to get where I am. I need to go forward. That was my first response. And I'm ashamed to tell you, it's because I didn't trust God. I didn't trust him. I, I, I said I did. I thought I did. I, I wished I did. But when I was asked for something, my first response was no. And, you know, I, I sat there. God made it clear to me. I'll never forget the day I'm, lay, I'm sitting uh, on my floor. I'm just weeping. And I'm, and I'm calling out to God. I was praying and I'm weeping. I just had this weight on me. And the peace of God came on me. Like, I can't even explain to you. It just, peace. Like, I just felt protected, safe, warm. Everything's going to be okay. I felt that. And as I sat there and I'm praying, I mean, God's speaking to me, and, and I, I, I didn't hear an audible voice. I heard, I'm just, I'm praying, and something came into my heart and my mind that God was the one asking me to do it. It wasn't some person's idea. It wasn't a group of church planters thinking we should do this. That God was the one who set in motion everything to plant a church. And I sat there unbelievably calm. And I said, okay, I'll go. It took a lot of work to get there in my heart. It took God working and working through things inside of me. But at that, at that moment, God broke my consumeristic, comfortable faith. My faith was comfortable. It was luxurious. It was easy. And he broke it. And from that time forward, a planting mosaic, it has never <laughs> been easy. Like, this is called like it is. We had about five to six months of services, then COVID hit. Um, we started and meeting at my house and people would come and people would go. There was betrayals. There were people who turned their back on me, friends who started talking to me. There's all these different things that are happening, but then all these blessings started coming. And we were seeing people's lives transformed and new families coming and people excited about a mission, vision, values. And all these things are happening kind of all at the same time. It's a big, blurry mess. And I just trusted God. And I trust him 100% right now. I have no idea what the future is. I don't know what's going to happen in a year from now. I stopped trying to guess because all I do is I trust him. I trust him. And as a church, so we start coming together and we started our services. We had that first service in October of 2019. And I sat there looking and my heart was just full and excited knowing what it took to get to that moment. 
And every moment since then, the stories, your stories, say I would do it all again in a heartbeat. I would do it all again a thousand times. I would go through all of the fear, confusion, pain. Uh, I would go through it all again to know the stories that are happening because God asked us to plant Mosaic Church. But I had to trust him. If you want to be called to something glorious of God and be called to something big, you have to trust him because it's not going to be comfortable. It's just not. There are small things that he calls us to and there's large things that he calls it to. What small step can you make to start to break consumerism and start to bring in trust? So that was one of my moments. Mosaic is definitely one of my Abram moments. And life changed for all of us. Life transformed. Everything shifted. And with what great joy, I can't imagine being anywhere else than right now, right here with all of you doing what we're doing, igniting a movement of radical love that transforms our community and the world. I can only, with anticipation, can't wait for what it means when God does even larger things, asks us for bigger things. What I've learned probably not going to be comfortable. So I want to go back into the story of Abram. And now Abram is uh, looking like he has this downgrade. I'm going to go from this great city into this not great city. And it feels like he's getting downgraded, but it's quite the opposite. It's much more of an upgrade because now the relationship with God, God and him are now connected in a whole new way and a promise is made between them. God now makes a promise to Abram, and he says, okay, this is what I want you to know. You are old and your wife is old, but you guys are going to have a kid. And through him, there's going to be a full lineage of an entire nation of people that we would know as the Hebrew people of Israel. And so he's going to become the father of many nations, and Abraham's like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really old, right? But this is what it says in the scriptures here. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your, and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So God has this huge promise to now Abraham. Like, I'm telling you, Abraham, the move was worth it. You are going to be the father of generation upon generation upon generation upon generations. And you are going to be one of the most famous humans ever of all times. You're going to be the father of a nation. And you, Abraham, because of your call, because you trusted, I'm going to make great things of you. 
But there's a word in there I want you to note, which is the covenant. Covenant is a very important word in the Bible. Covenant goes just beyond like the real simple like agreement, like contract. Um, covenant is two people bound together by blood. That there is an unbreakable bond within a covenant. And covenants, uh, it's defined by Millard Erickson as this, a biblical covenant, an agreement between God and humans in which God pledges to bless those who accept and commit themselves to him. This is huge because we find throughout the scripture, God is always true to his covenant. He's always true to his word. He, there's never a time in history that we see God saying, I'm going to do this. Ah, just kidding. I'm out. Psych. Like, he doesn't do that. God is always true to his word. He keeps his covenants. He does exactly what he says he's going to do over and over and over again. He is trustworthy. So Abraham, this story of Abraham, if you don't know God, I said at the beginning of that question, if you don't know who he is, God makes covenants and he doesn't break them. The proof of that is in the story right here that there are Jewish people, the Hebrew people. This is the lineage of Abraham. And Abraham and that nation and those people would be the ones to bring forth the Messiah in Jesus. And Jesus now sets forth that he saves all people and humanity is saved because of Jesus. And we link this all the way back to this covenant between Abram, Abraham, and God. Unbelievable. God is trustworthy. Even when you don't like it, God is trustworthy. Even when you're struggling, God is trustworthy. Even when you're in a dark place, God is trustworthy. Even when he asks you to do crazy, hard, impossible things, God is trustworthy. Even when they ask you to plant a church, God is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. He has never broken his covenants. And this is why this is so important. Jesus created a new covenant with people. That new covenant, this new binding agreement in blood, is that Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of sins for all of us. And his covenant with us now is this. This is the new covenant he didn't wipe out the other. This is the new one. I want you to understand this now, everybody. This is the new covenant. You can now have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The old ways are uh, old ways have shifted. The old ways have now been fulfilled by Jesus. And now all the sacrifices, everything that the Jewish people had to do has been fulfilled by Jesus. We just have to call on him as Savior. And his promise in the covenant, if you call in the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's it. Is he trustworthy? Do you trust him? Do you trust that when you get to heaven and you're there before him and you've called on the name of the Lord, you say, Lord, your word said, your covenant said, trust in the name of the Lord and I'll be saved. There's a new covenant. Jesus paid the price for my sins. That's it. It was all Christ. I did nothing to earn my way to heaven. It was all Jesus. There were no Sunday schools. There were no confirmation classes. There were no church attendance. There was no giving to the poor. Everything was saved because of Jesus. And now because of Jesus, I got into the Bible studies. Because of him, I wanted to learn more. So I went through classes. I wanted to learn more. So I went to church. I wanted to help and do the mission of Jesus. So I gave generously out into the world. Because now my new life is for Christ. That 
I'm saved by grace alone. That's the covenant. And God always keeps his covenant. God doesn't go back on him. God doesn't say, no, psych, I'm kidding. We can see from Genesis to Revelation, God always keeps his word. And through the story of Abram, we see one story of a covenant created and a covenant fulfilled by God. We see a man who, in the face of all change and all fear, stood firm. We see Abram then becoming Abraham. His faithfulness, his faithfulness changed the world. Do you believe in all of your heart that your trust in God can change the world? I do. I believe it. Because trust in God opens a door for us to do radical things for the kingdom of God forever and ever. Are we always going to like it? No, I don't think so. I think sometimes we're going to struggle. We're going to be afraid because we don't trust. I think all these things get wrapped up in humanity. But let's start to be grown-ups and not children. Let's start to look at our faith and our trust as something that is strong in God, one that is focused, one that believes and trusts in Him. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.